Edinburgh current crackled as James Hastings turned them. Black-witted fool, he muttered as some article caught his eye. Penelope Hastings gazed at her older brother and bit back a sigh. James was in a foul mood this morning. She had known it from the moment he joined her in the dining room, giving her only a curt greeting before turning his attention to his tea and the newspapers laid next to his plate. Accustomed to her brother's moods, she had ignored his incivility and had instead calmly taken her own repast, enjoying the hearty porridge and freshly made scones. Now, as she sipped her chocolate, she wondered whether she should leave her brother in peace or try to discover what was troubling him. "'I thought I might visit the shops today,' Penelope said. "'We need new linens.' and if they are not too dear, perhaps new drapes for the sitting room. James made no response. While I am out, are there any commissions I can execute for you? Penelope asked. No, James said, his attention seemingly fixed on his newspaper. Yet he had been reading the same page for the last several minutes. Surely the Edinburgh Courant contained no news that would hold his interest so closely. He was simply using the newspaper to avoid speaking with her. He was deliberately trying to aggravate her, but she knew him too well to fall for such a transparent ploy. Remember this evening I am to dine with the Lawtons? And then we are to go hear Mr Crichton's lecture on the latest astronomical discoveries. I believe this month he will be discussing comets. Will you be joining us? she asked. The newspaper was folded with a snap of his wrists and laid on the table with far more force than was necessary. No, I will not be joining you, he said, meeting her gaze for the first time this morning. Ah, a reaction at last. Very well, I will convey your regards to the Lawtons, she said. I will be escorting Miss Carstairs to a musicale this evening, James said. You might wish to consider joining us instead, so you can make your apologies. Apologies? Certainly. Miss Carstairs told me all about the literary salon the other day, how she was humiliated and how you did nothing to defend her. I could not believe my own sister capable of such rudeness. Now she knew what had prompted his earlier pique. I regret that she did not enjoy herself. Penelope said carefully, forbearing to mention that it had been his idea that she invite Miss Carstairs. The members of the Literary Society enjoy lively debate, it is true, but it is a civilised discourse. Amelia told me they laughed at her, James said, for once breaking from his careful formality. Had they? She could not remember but in truth she had been too busy playing hostess, moving from one cluster of friends to another to pay particular attention to Miss Carstairs. Perhaps she should have watched over her more closely. I am certain they did not mean to be unkind, she said. And yet she wondered. The members of the literary society would not be deliberately rude, but they had little patience for fools. And you were rude to her as well, James said. I merely suggested that she actually read 
Waverley, before she ventured to give an opinion on the novel or on the identity of its author. Indeed, the topic of that afternoon had been a lively debate on whether or not Sir Walter Scott was indeed the author of Waverley. Penelope and others had argued for this premise, noting similarities in the lyrical prose of the novel to Scott's poetic works. When asked her opinion, Miss Carstairs had made the mistake of saying that she had never read the novel, but she was certain that a great poet would never lower himself so far as to write a mere romantic novel. Her ignorant remark had been received with polite disbelief. Rather than arguing her case as any other member of the society would, Miss Carstairs had wilted and soon made her excuses to leave. So now you blame Miss Carstairs? Her brother seemed determined to pick a fight with her, despite her own good intentions.